0: It's okay to be nervous. We've all been where you are right now. What you're considering is not for the faint of heart. We know that. And if there are any doubts in your mind, I suggest you walk away right now. But I hope you don't. The only way to be eligible for this position is to have used the remedy yourself. And your story is exceptional. Allow me to read it back to you. It's tradition. You've been married twice. You married your first husband, Albert, when you were both just 21. Albert was a good man. He was kind, hardworking, and an excellent father. The two of you had three girls together before he drowned tragically during a fishing trip with friends. An unexpected storm hit and Albert was thrown overboard, but the rest of the men survived. You and your daughters were devastated and Albert's friends felt tremendous guilt. They didn't know what to do. His best friend, a man named George, whose boat they had all been on that fateful day, started coming to your house regularly to help you out however he could. He mowed the lawn, fixed the little things that needed fixing, drove the girls to soccer practice when you had to work late, and kept you company on the days that seemed like they would never end. He was your lighthouse, and through your shared grief, the two of you fell in love. A year after Albert's death, George gave you a ring. You walked to City Hall together late one summer afternoon and were married by the Justice of the Peace. Albert can rest easy knowing his best friend is taking care of all his girls, George said. Life was simple, but good. After the two of you were married, George took over all the finances, which was fine by you since you didn't like money to begin with. But soon you began to notice a change in George. He bought a new car and some nicer clothes. He moved you all from your little house in the suburbs to a condo in the city, a place where you had no family or friends and no memories of Albert. It was for his new job, George said and even though it meant that the girls had to change schools and leave the lives they loved behind, you did it because it seemed like the right thing to do. George had rescued you when you were drowning in grief. Once you got to the city, things were different. George was barely ever home. His phone would ring at all hours of the night and strange women came to the door asking for him. George just told you they must have been looking for someone else. But that wasn't all. He went on business trips to beautiful locations alone and hosted elaborate dinner parties for people you didn't know. He stopped driving the girls to soccer practice and sitting with you when the days got long. Something was not right. Then one day, George woke up in an unusually good mood. He hadn't been in a good mood in a very long time. Hey, when I get home, let's pack up dinner and take the girls out for a boat ride, he said. The weather is beautiful. You agreed and said you'd look forward to it. Perhaps things were getting better. And then your phone rang. The number on the other end was unknown. You weren't sure what possessed you to do this because normally you'd just let an unknown number go to voicemail but you picked it up. It was the bank. They were calling to inform you that your account was being closed due to insufficient funds. That's impossible, he said. There must be some mistake, we never touched that account. You knew there was plenty of money in that account. Albert's life insurance policy had left you with nearly a million dollars. That coupled with the money you two had saved together added up to a sizable fortune and you hadn't touched a cent. Albert's family had money, and when his grandfather died, Albert got quite an inheritance. The two of you didn't live a fancy life, but that was by choice, not requirement. And you were happy with it. No, said the woman on the other end of the phone. No mistake. That account has been quite active, actually. Your husband makes withdrawals on a daily basis. Maybe you should ask him about it? George, you said, and suddenly everything was crystal clear. George didn't have a new job. George didn't have a job at all. George wasn't going on business trips. George didn't need to move to the city, and those women who came to the door were not looking for someone else. You had been fooled. And then something else occurred to you. George was Albert's closest friend. Albert told him everything. The rest of his friends didn't know about the inheritance, but George did. George didn't fall in love with you in a moment of shared grief. George saw an opportunity and took it. You wondered if Albert's death was even as much of an accident as George had made it out to be. Ma'am, the bank teller replied, having listened to silence for a really long time. I'm still here, he said. Please, please don't close the account. I'll be right over with the deposit. Then you hung up the phone, went to your closet, and pulled out an old coffee can you kept in the very back. It was filled with cash you had socked away in case of emergencies, and this seemed like an emergency. You shoved the cash into your pocket and walked to the bank. You hoped it would be enough to buy you a little time, When you got to the bank, the woman at the register looked at you and said, You must be Caroline. We spoke on the phone. You look upset. Why don't you step into my office and we'll clear everything up. No one is losing their account today. The woman sat you down, then closed the office door and locked it. Caroline, she said, I have to tell you some things you're going to find rather disturbing. But please, whatever you do, do not raise your voice, okay? I'm here to help you, but this has to be just between us." You nodded and she went on. Your husband has been bleeding your account dry since the day you got married. He's also taken out a rather sizable life insurance policy on you, did you know that? He has one for each of your girls too, and he is listed as the sole beneficiary for all four, which we thought was rather strange. It's not illegal, but it is odd. He spent the last of the money in your account a few days ago, and with the way he set up your insurance policies, he could stand to profit handsomely from one well-timed tragic event. Do you understand what I'm telling you? You nodded, then said quietly, almost to yourself, the boat ride. I think your family is in danger the bank woman said, and I don't think you have much time. You nodded again and asked, what do I do? Take this phone number, the woman replied, handing you a card. In the parking lot you will find a white car with a yellow heart sticker on its rear bumper. The passenger door is open and there is a phone in the glove box. Call that number, they'll take it from there. You started to hand the woman your money all the money you had left in the world that fit in one old coffee can and she said keep it you're gonna need it the journey you're about to go on is scary but you'll never be alone we'll take care of this account until you're safe and you can pay us back whenever you're ready this was a lot for you to take in but you knew that in just four hours your daughters would be home from school And in six hours, George expected you to get on that boat. So things needed to move quickly. Look for the white car with the yellow heart, the woman said again. Do what I told you and do it now. So you did. You left her office, walked out into the parking lot, and there was the car. Just like she said, you walked up to it casually and opened the passenger door. Once you were safely inside the car, you looked at the card. Sorelle del Correggialo, it read in small print, and then there was a phone number. You dialed it, and I was on the other end of the line. When I got to your house that day, you were organized. I noticed your steely resolve right away, and I knew that meant I didn't have much work to do. It's one thing for him to try and hurt me, you said, but he went after my children, and that I will not tolerate. You never did get on that boat. You decided that it might be nice to enjoy a cocktail with George before you left, but his didn't seem to agree with him. And that stomach ache soon turned into a terrible flu. One dose, two dose, three dose, gone. You never let money intimidate you again. You became an investing genius almost overnight. Your girls are set for life you got your house in the suburbs back, and in your free time, you use your knowledge to help other women who have been financially ruined by a man get back on their feet. Life is simple and good. I noticed one more thing on the day I first met you, and this was how I knew I'd see you again. Do you want to know what it was? Your carpets. You had brand new, spotless, white carpets. It takes a certain kind of person to have white carpets, and it's not the kind of person who thinks no one will ever walk into their home and make a mess. It's the kind of person who knows that people make messes all the time, but they also know that there isn't a mess in this world that they can't clean up. I was right about you. Congratulations, Caroline. You can put on your pin now. Wear it with pride. Oh, and now we can tell you our names. My name is Franny, and this organization saved me. The day I put on my pin was the best day of my life. You're one of us now. Sorelle del Correjalo. Sisters of the Yellow Heart. Together, we will set the world free. I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we would be dead. Hey, Holly. Hey, teens. We are back for part two of our coverage of the rise and fall of the world's most infamous poison, aqua tofana, and the women who brought it out of the shadows and into ladies' bedchambers all over Rome. Yay. I know. You know, I used to think it was so strange that for a very long time, upper-class married couples had totally separate bedrooms and bathrooms. Mm. We've talked about this a yeah. bunch of times. Mm. Like, I'm in the ladies' bedchamber. Yes. The master's bedchamber is down mm-hmm. the hall. And I always thought that was weird. But you know what? Like, now that I'm a married woman of a certain age, I can kind of see the benefits of having my own room. Mm-hmm. Like a place where I can put on all my weird potions and face creams and, like, cry or right. have heated <laughs> imaginary conversations with everyone who has ever wronged me. Right, right. Have a good night's sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sing along to ridiculous songs and do all of that in solitude the way God intended. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't
1: really sound so bad, does it? No. No, see? It's very common now, too. A lot yeah. of people are doing it. Mm-hmm.
0: I think I need a And boudoir. I think it's still
1: mostly the upper
0: class. <laughs> I bet it is. I really, I bet it is. They have so many rooms. They do. I mean, like, why can't you just have one? I guess I have this room, but like. Yeah. This is our room for recording. Yeah. <laughs> I want a boudoir where I can cry and put on makeup. Mm-hmm. Nobody needs to see that anyway. I should just emerge from my chambers looking fresh and vindicated. But no, I'm left to stare silently at my reflection, which always leaves me a little tense and wrinkled. Mm-hmm. You know how being tense makes like crows feet in the corner of your eyes. Oh, yeah. Because you're like, Crunch in your face with worry. Yeah. <laughs> Which we're both demonstrating right now and nobody can see. <laughs> it was really cute though. <laughs> but there is one miracle product that we can apply silently and still emerge from our shared bathrooms ready to take on the world. Ooh. Yeah. You know what that is? No. A lovely little bottle of... Oh, yay. Validation, a hill worth dying on. I loved it like you didn't know, but then you knew. I knew. You knew you it in You led me heart. right to it. Thank God. And you're not going to believe this, Leslie, but our fiends can give us this priceless ingredient and totally free of charge. I don't believe it. How? But how, you must be asking yourself. Yes. Yeah. Well, I will tell you. Simply head on over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and or a friendly review. It really is the only way to move this podcast forward. Ratings and reviews equal attention, attention equals support, and support equals more and better content for all of you. Nice. Yeah, that's all positive. Mm -hmm. But if you can't wait for more We Would Be Dead in your life, well, don't worry. You don't have to. We can't be making people wait. No. Rude. Terrible. If you don't want to wait, you can support us over on Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) There, for just a few dollars a month, you will gain access to our entire catalog of 30-minute horror movies, special mini-sodes, our weekly after-show, Host Mortem, which is available in both video and audio formats. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to see our faces. Maybe you don't. Both are okay. But you're missing out if you don't see our faces, because they're pretty fun. Yeah. You'll also get a special gift in the mail from us, giveaways, merch deals, an on-air toast dedicated just to you, and more. In all honesty, we are here thanks to our patrons. So come on over and be part of the We Would Be Dead family. I love it. Me too. I'm going to go join. You are already part of it. That's right. (laughs) Well, I'm going to cancel and rejoin today. Okay, just for the fun of doing it. Sounds good to me. (laughs) And if all of that is a little too much for you, you can simply follow us on social media. We are at Would Be Dead Pod anywhere and everywhere you get your content. You can like our posts, share our posts, like, and share our posts. Leave us a comment. Post about your favorite episode. Let us know when you're listening. Tell a friend. Tell a neighbor. Tell the the friend you would trust with your spiritual grandmother's secret poison recipe. What's their Christy. name? Christy. Christy. Yeah. Yeah. Good friend. Yeah. Then your friends and Christy, who we can trust with all of our secrets, mm-hmm. so that's good, can become fiends and we can all hang out together. I love it. Yeah. It's going to be a nice time. I can't wait. I think that's all I have in the way of announcements for this week. Leslie, do you have anything to add before we begin? No, no, no. Great. All right, then. On with the show. So last week, we told you about Tofania Diadimo, the original creator of Aqua Tofana and her apprentice, Julia Mangiardi the girl who would go on to become history's sole mistress of the legendary poison, Julia Tofana. Julia's story is amazing. That was a good one, right? That was really good. Yeah. But it was the story of her stepdaughter, Geronima Spana, that really captured my attention. And this week, we'll be sharing it with all of you. Now, we don't know precisely how Geronima's story began, but we know that it ended at the end of a rope at the Campo de Fiori in Rome on July 5th, 1659 and in some books 1660. Sounds so epic. It was pretty epic. Yeah, I will say that. And the year is so bizarre because she is not not Geronima. The arrests for this case begin in 1659, but they seem to begin either like right before the turning of a new year or right after it, and books did not know how to handle that. Mm. So so it's either 1659 or 1660. I say a little bit of both just so you guys know, it could be either. The Campo de Fiori is still there, by the way. Its name means field of flowers because back in the Middle Ages, that's what it was. But with the world developing at a furious rate, it soon became a city center where you can still find a palace and a large marketplace. So this is still in Rome. It's still the center of the city. And as time went on, it became the location of all of the public executions. We've talked about how executions were entertainment back then. Yeah. So they had to be in a place where, like, you would go to see such a thing. Mm -hmm. Right in the center of town. Exactly. Everybody was hanging out of the courtyard. Everybody was. And now they have, like, beautiful farmer's farmers' markets there. Yeah. But, you know, in the 1600s, they were burning people at the stake there. They actually did that there. It's one of the few places they actually did burn people. Yeah.
1: I mean, times change.
0: <laughs> they do change. <laughs> and Geronimo was lucky in this regard because hers was one of the few executions at the Campo de Fiore that did not include burning. Mm. Probably because she wasn't Jewish or a heretic. They really hated Jewish people there. Like oh, a yeah. lot. Yeah, Geronima was a businesswoman, despite what the legends around her will say. And you know there was no witchery going on if The papal authorities did not charge her with that at the Mm. time. She was also not remorseful once she got caught. And she never claimed ignorance or pointed the finger elsewhere to try and save her own life. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot of integrity.
1: Yeah. I mean, you got to stand by what you do.
0: Yeah, and she sure did. In its own time, the Spana prosecution, as it came to be known, was a crime of the century style event. It was the biggest of all news. Everybody talked about it. Everyone with an outlet to do so wrote about it and everyone else just eagerly listened to anything they could hear about it. Mm. So while this has been lost to time, we assume that it was like quiet when things like that happened. It was not quiet at all. It was huge. It was on every podcast in the 1600s. <laughs> it, it was. They just yelled <laughs> it to each other yeah. from across the street. <laughs> and they were like, this is going to catch on one day. People yeah. are going to do this. <laughs> Perfect. But though everyone seemed to be speaking about it, there was just one problem with all of this retelling. There was absolutely no way to fact check this story whatsoever because this event was tried by papal authorities. And as such, they had the liberty to seal any and all documents relating to this trial, including any admissions of guilt, interrogations, com- uh, confessions, judgments, and interviews. So everything anyone said, not available. Hmm. And that's just what they did. They locked it all up to prevent any uh, negative influence on other women. Yeah. Well, you got to protect your own, you know? Yeah. They locked the door and threw away the key. To jump back to last week's metaphors. For 200 years, those documents lay completely untouched. And Geronima faded into obscurity. Those files did not resurface again until 1880. But by that point, the books had already been written. And Aqua Tofana was long gone. Thanks to some dedicated historians and modern authors, we know a lot more of her truth now. And I rely on um, two main sources. They will be linked in the show notes. If you guys want to read more, there is way more to read. So when we left off, Julia Tofana had passed away peacefully in her bed. High five to her, man. She lived the dream, went to bed. That was all.
1: Oh, that's how I hope I go. Me
0: too. And Geronima was left to run the business. But that was Julia's side of the story. And from everything documented on just her, that is the most cohesive version of the truth. But in the interest of full and complete disclosure, we'll start Geronima's story from her beginning. Geronima Spana is listed in several different ways in several different books. Her name isn't always spelled the same ever, which Mm -hmm. is very strange. Sometimes you will see her called Girolama Spala, Sometimes she's called Gerolama Spara. I know.
1: All oh, these sounds so beautiful coming from
0: you. Don't <laughs> that one is harder to say. In more sensational older texts, she may only be referred to as La astrologa, La prophetessa, and La indovina. La prophetessa? Profetessa. Like a professor? No. <laughs> that means the astrologer the prophetess, okay. and the fortune teller. Okay. Prophetessa. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> the other one would be professora, I yeah. believe. Okay. So if, I, if Spanish is doing me right yeah. right now. However, she did sign her own name as Geronima Spana on her confession. <laughs> She's like, hey guys. This is how it's spelled. Why yeah. is it different everywhere yeah. else? So we're just going to call her that okay. because it's right. Yeah. So. We do not know when Geronima was born exactly, and we know nothing about her birth mother. We do know her father was a man named Nicolo Spano because they masculine feminine last names Mm -hmm. back then. And in Julia's stories, it is almost always said that Julia and Nicolo met when she fled from Palermo to Rome. But in accounts centered around Geronima, so when they're focusing on telling her story, it is said that Julia and Nicolo met in Palermo. Mm. Then Geronima and Julia fled the city together. Okay. So... I'll get back to this in one second. Niccolo was, quote, provisioning Spanish galleys and overseeing expenditures of Palermo's Hospitali degli Spanol, which is the Spanish hospital. Okay. And that is a lot of big words for just the fact that he was like an accountant for the hospital, basically.
1: Mm. Well, they got to make it sound more exciting.
0: And they really <laughs> did, and make it way harder for me to read. So yeah. that's good. And the accounts that are about Geronima also include the fact that Niccolo passed away while they still lived in Palermo. Okay. So this would leave Julia and Geronima together, still with tofania right? Now it's a trio of women together. Mm-hmm. And then Julia and Geronima fled to Rome together, just the two of them. Right. So there are two versions of this story. I cannot tell you which one is true. Damn it. Yeah. When centered around Geronima, that is how we talk about it. These differences are small, but I feel it's important to note that they do change in a wholesale manner when shifting focus. I don't know why. I think the more accurate one is Geronimo's side of the story because there's more documents to back it up, but that's an opinion and you're allowed to form your own however you want.
1: All right, well, thank you for that.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> These two stories do, however, converge in Rome at some point between 1630 and 1640. There, Julia remarried Cesare Ranchetti, the gambling real estate tycoon, and Geronimo, at just 14, married Niccolò Ciauzzi. The Grain Man.
1: Oh, right, right. Remember the Grain Man? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Incidentally, grain speculation has a lot more to do with estimating future markets and turning a profit than it does, you know, actually touching grains. Mm. wasn't yeah. like, He wasn't like graining around. Right. So he was more of an investor than anything else, which does explain how easy it was for him to get himself into massive debt. Mm. God, if you married like anybody with investor on the end back then, you were just fucked. Yeah. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't do it. I feel like that can still be true. Probably can. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> and he did leave Geronima by 1640. And then he fled Rome altogether in 1655. So this is another really funny fact. They got married and they stayed married for like, they, didn't, they never divorced. He just isn't listed as living at the same house as her like three right. years after they got married. Right. She just was like, well, now I live here by myself. That's all.
1: Well, that's cool because now she doesn't have to get married again. It if did she work want out to.
0: very well for yeah. her. I will say that. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah, he was a real peach, but he did her a favor by leaving. Yeah, and Geronima did not care. She didn't care. She was like, "Fuck that guy." Yeah, her marriage had been one of necessity, not love, but it did give her the opportunity to access enough money to start her own business. Nice. Yep, she had studied astrology when she was younger under her mother's brother Andrea Loristino. So we can surmise that her mother was something Loristina. But that's all we have. It's the only thing we know about her. I suppose if you wanted to do a deeper dive, you might be able to find out her name. But I did not have the time. So maybe another day. Now, using the skills she had, which was astrology at this point in time, Geronima set up a shop as an astrologer. And as such, she also sold herbal remedies, tonics, and potions. This was not abnormal for someone who was an astrologer at that time. You would also be like, well, we can give you this. Remedy for that. Right. All part of the thing.
1: Very holistic. Very healing. Yeah.
0: All part of the fortune teller vibe back then. Lots of crystals. Totally. (laughs) And not against the church. Right. Which now they'd be like, what are you, you weird heathen? But back then, it was just in addition to religion Mm -hmm. that you Mm -hmm. had this. Which is a very important distinction to make. Because you would think that someone like that raised religious red flags immediately. No. Because they
1: didn't. Yeah. I feel like um, even now, there's still... They're still incorporating that. So, for instance, if you go to like those sound baths, that's something that like monks use and other religions use. So a lot of times you're like welcomed there. And so there's a lot of people joining in that all have different beliefs. Yeah. But they all kind of come together as like, we're all seeing maybe like to them, they all come together because they're like, we're all seeing the same God maybe, but we're all coming at it from a different angle because we're all from different areas.
0: Well, I like that a lot better than this. This is actually just the Catholics of the time being like, well, you still believe in our God, right? And they were like, yeah, for sure. We're just talking about like what the stars might say or like Mm -hmm. giving them a beauty treatment. And they're like, cool, we're all friends. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But I do like your version a lot. That's nice.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But that's why it can work with like the Catholic faith, because then you can, if it's all still with the same God, but you're just looking at it from different areas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's how you get away with it. And she did. Geronima was very good at her job. And I don't mean the telling the future through the stars. I mean gently advising rich women for a tidy sum of money. Mm. You know how like when you see people hiring psychics in movies, it's usually like rich Beverly Hills type yeah. wives. That's what, that's the 1650s version of this. Yeah. Geronima knew that money comes from money. And she would never be able to create the life she wanted for herself if she stayed in a hut in the back of a village like her stepmother had done in the past. So she made her situation bougie. And Rome was definitely the place to do that. Leslie, Hmm. as a very elegant lady baby myself. I am considering relocating like Geronima, but I just can't decide if it's the place for me. Perhaps you could tell me a little more about the Eternal City. And remember, it's the mid-1600s right now, of course. Right. Yes, of course. Of course. Okay. Okay,
1: yeah. So, are you feeling like a new start? Yes. Have you lived in the same place your whole life? If you have a moment, I'd love to share with you why Rome, Italy might be the right move for you, Holly. Oh, please tell me. For starters, everyone is coming here. You may have heard of little cities like Florence and Siena gaining traction after the Black Death plagued our country. And this is true. Many people have moved to Florence and Siena to start new and rebuild their cities. But listen, it got old. So now everyone's coming to Rome. Why? Well, because it's the best place. We got history. We got music. We got art. We got delicious cuisine. We got the Catholic Church. That's right. The motherfucking Pope lives here. Oh, my God. Sign me up. Yep. <sighs> The rumors are true. Protestants tried to take over, but Ugh. listen, we Catholics are back and better than ever. Mm. We are spicing up the city, one painting and sculpture at yes. a time. <laughs> I heard there are dicks in some of them. Is that Ooh. true? Yes. Okay. Have you <laughs> ever heard of a guy named Michelangelo? Kind of. Just you see the David yet? <gasps> there are dicks. Lots of dicks. <laughs> But of course you've heard of Michelangelo. Come to the city, visit the Sistine Chapel, and see for yourself why he's our national treasure. Right up there with Dave (laughs) Grohl. And the Pope, of course. And the Pope, of course. The (laughs) art scene in Rome is booming. The Catholic Church had a wild idea to work with the artists and architects in our city to help revive everyone's faith. And these artists hit it out of the park. Nice. Have you heard of Broke? Well, once you get here, you're going to be living in it. Oh, shoot. Paintings, buildings, music, sculptures are dripping in Baroque styles. It's dramatic. It's bizarre. It's overdecorated, <laughs> But it's taken the country by storm, and you will be living in the city that started it all.
0: Maybe I am into Baroque.
1: <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been to an opera? You can go every day if you live in Rome. Oh, good. We have this new composer named Bach. He's excellent. In a musty in concert. Oh my God, awesome. I can't wait. Heck, you might even see him playing on the streets. That on the streets? here.
0: Yes. He's just out there. He's
1: just out there. Shit, I gotta go. You never know who you're gonna meet in Rome. Boy. And the food, oh my God. Some of these young chefs are coming up with incredible new recipes. Have you heard of the potato or red peppers? No. They're delicious. What? Not just pasta anymore. All I eat is grain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The grain man told me that's all I needed. And it might be, but potatoes too. Yes. Some Romans are now even using something called a fork to eat with. What is this craziness? It's really neat. Apparently, the rich have been using it since the Byzantine era, but now it's everywhere. Get out of here. I was just eating things with my (laughs) fists. Are you someone who likes to attend events and festivals? Sometimes. We have loads of those. What? Enjoy a weekend of jousting, horse races, and even bullfights. Ooh. These events are great and bring all the locals out in the square for a good time, right where you can see a hanging. I love a bloody sport. If you're worried about inclusion, don't be. Okay. Rome is one of the most inclusive cities in Italy. Is it? It is. Especially for practicing Catholics. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Whether you're dirt poor or as rich as the Pope, I mean King, you'll fight, you'll fit right in. The King Pope. Yeah, the King Pope. The streets of Rome are filled with people all over the economic spectrum. It really makes it a great place to network. Who knows? Your broke ass might run into someone with money and you'll fall in love and hopefully your family can pay your dowry or else they go bankrupt. But then the magistrate can marry you and you can have a beautiful wedding and you'll no longer be poor and it's just like amazing. Oh my God. Maybe you can live in a palace. Mm -hmm. If being a woman in Rome concerns you, it shouldn't. Here, you're allowed to have and express your own ideas and opinions. That might not take you too far, but at least you have the freedom to do so. (laughs) Women from any household can aspire to live a better life. The goal, as you know, is always marriage. But as you have more freedom to roam around, pun intended, Mm. you may have a chance to marry up. And we do hope you find love in Rome and bear many males. Women are just too expensive. No more of those, please. Yeah. Rome literally has everything you could ever want. So if you're someone looking to start fresh and to be inspired by everyone and everything around you, then come to Rome and
0: live as the Romans do. I think I'm gonna now Yeah. It's a great place. I'm gonna broke it up. Yeah. I'm gonna see Bach in the street. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I will not see an opera every day. That's too much. But you could. I could. Is you what know, I'm saying. You, know, you the the could. That the opportunity is there. Yeah. It does make all the difference. And all of these fine things were not lost on Geronima. Julia may have been known as like kind of ratty and an old witch in a hut. But <laughs> that was not the vibe for the younger generation. It never is. No, it's not. <laughs> Geronima was like, look around. This is not it. This this is not it. Look at you. <laughs> yeah. That's like us looking at like Gen Zers now. Like, What are you doing? We worked so hard to get bougie. I know. This ain't it. Come on. Ugh. <laughs> But Geronimo did it upright. She dressed in fine clothing and surrounded herself with beautiful things and culture and art, all of which were acquired from clients' as gifts. Yeah, mostly. That's um, how you do it, though. It is. Geronimo was smart and charismatic, and she made friends quickly. And if you ask me, this may have been her most valuable skill. She was very. People liked her very quickly, yeah. and they trusted her very quickly. Okay. The women she advised didn't really need their fortunes told. These are like rich, pampered women. But what they did need was a friend. They needed a person to comfort their fears and assure them that despite their challenges, they were in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, and everything was all going to be wonderful in the end. I need one of those. Yeah, me too. (laughs) That would be great. Hire yourself a psychic for enough money. They will tell you that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine. Geronima also frequently traveled by borrowed carriage.
1: Ooh, girl. Yeah,
0: if you were traveling in a carriage back then, that was a, a mark of, like, you were somebody. Right. Yeah. and And she was held in esteem by all the people of Rome because of all of these things, all of these appearances. Mm-hmm. Was she actually rich? No. No, she was not. But... That didn't matter. She was perceived rich, and this earned her a place at their tables. Love it. Yeah, so she basically opened her own door to society in Rome. Mm
1: -hmm. And this was something definitely of that era, because because everybody was mixed up in Rome Mm -hmm. now, and they were all congregating together, Mm -hmm. it was a little bit more accessible for even some of the poor women to like meet some of the richer women and then maybe get some things, even if it was like handy downs or something, yeah. but in good quality. So they were starting to live, like they were starting to be able to achieve like some better yeah. aspects of life. And I Even if they that, didn't have the money for it.
0: Well, I expect it's also easier to integrate into a city where like every, there, there are too many wealthy families and yeah. families in general for people to immediately know who you are based on who you exactly. come from. So you really could reinvent yourself there, mm-hmm. like you said. And Geronima didn't have any family. There were, there were no checks and balances there. She came with Julia. That was it. She had the old lady in the hut who she was like, I swear to God, she's good. I swear. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh, right, she'll sell me poison. So I do like her. And everything was fine. Now, we might think that money can buy happiness, but it can't and it never really could. Although I would love to test that theory for myself. Yeah. Maybe in the future, I'll be able to. Okay. Geronimo's clients, while outwardly charming and happy, carried sadness and desperation deep down inside, the root of which was always, always, always their marriages. Mm. We talked about this before. So these women might be rich and given every convenience in the world, but they were most often in marriages that they never wanted to enter in the first place. Right. Sometimes it was to men who had raped them as children. Mm -hmm. So while they didn't really want for things, Their life certainly wasn't what they would have planned for themselves. Mm. And so Geronima joined forces with her stepmother, Julia. So she's like, I'm seeing that my clients, these rich ladies that drive me around in carriages, are also very uncontent with their marriages. So maybe I can kind of employ my stepmother's business in my own. I like it. And it'll go well. And she was right. So she began selling... A mysterious new product on her shelves. Yeah. Now for Julia, it was enough to keep aqua like an unnamed substance that people would ask for or she would offer and she would just give them a little bottle and be like, here's your secret thing, don't tell anybody, all done. But Geronima was too smart for that. She knew that in order to keep things safe for herself and for her clients, this liquid had to masquerade as something else. And with a little help from the church, she rebranded and called it Mana di San Nicolo, or St. Nicholas oil. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Sounds so nice. Santa Claus, St. Nicholas. Yes. That's the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they weren't calling it Aqua Tofana at that point in time, and they started putting it in um, marked bottles. That's, the yeah. diff- that's where the difference here occurs. Mm-hmm. It was always cosmetics, but it was like, just a plain bottle before, you know? I wonder if, because I know there wasn't like Santa
1: yet, but I wonder if she still chose St. Nick because he was like a gift
0: giver? Oh, no, she did. I'll get yeah, there. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, and well, actually, the choice wasn't hers to make. It was what was popular in that place at the time. I got you. So if you're like me and don't uh, have the faintest idea what St. Oil is, don't worry, I found out and I'm going to tell you. You might know. I did not mm-hmm. know. And yes, you can still buy some. Yeah. Online, which seems <laughs> reliable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can also buy it in like church gift shops because old churches have gift shops. Right. But you can also order it on Amazon. Yeah, we'll link it. Yeah, we won't. <laughs> but you can look for it. It's there. So saint oil is a liquid that seems to generate spontaneously and flow over the, a relic of a Catholic saint. Now, a relic, if you don't remember, is a body part. It could be a mummified finger. It could be a bone. It could be all the bones. Right. Who knows? Any part works. So it's kind of gross when you get down to it but this substance was very popular among the devout, and it still is. The claim for this is that the oil was a kind of cure-all. So if I am understanding this right, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, mana is what made a saint able to saint or perform miracles. And apparently this this mana was located in their bones. So this liquid, which spontaneously sprung into, into being, that would flow over them, and really it was just naturally occurring water because these places are all underground and in the side of mountains, so Mm -hmm. that kind of shit happens. Anyway, this liquid that passed over them was said to capture a little bit of this magic mana Mm. essence. So no matter what you needed, whether it be good health or clear skin, Saint Oil could give it to you.
1: Yeah.
0: Is that about right? I think so. I don't know if you're as familiar with it as others, but that's, to my understanding, that's what it is. I mean, they don't really talk about it now
1: because that seems like snake oil kind of talk now. Yeah, so I mean, you can still buy it. Really, they didn't really like condone that. Yeah. when I was in school, but we did talk about it.
0: Yeah. So apparently, like most of these places, most of these relics are located like on a on an old stone wall or something, mm-hmm. and water just comes through a crack because right. it's. A lot of the cities are coastal and stuff like that. Right. It just happens. And this water kind of like washes over them mm. and then they collect it in a little vessel okay. underneath. So I wonder,
1: I've never been to Italy. So anybody that has, I went, or to Rome, I wonder if they collect this. Yeah. yeah. Apparently there. you still
0: can get it. Okay. I would, I would think so. Yeah. Now, not all saints have a saint oil. They don't all have a relic that has spontaneous water flowing over it. Well, that sucks. It does. I mean, I would be really sad if I was, went all through that effort to be a saint and nobody could sell my mana. I know. No good. But St. Nicholas is actually rather famous for it.
1: Mm.
0: His bones are said to be located in the Basilica St. Nicola in Bari. Okay. And there is a trickle of water that flows over them. And you can, you can still get it in their gift shop. Mm. And uh, St. Nicholas did have some pretty good miracles. If I do say so myself. You guys remember the ham babies? Yeah, they were great. Delicious. If if you don't, (laughs) if you don't, I'm going to give you a real brief synopsis of what is my favorite story that we've ever told, probably. So um, in our Santa Claus episode, we talked all about St. Nicholas. So if you want to find out about his whole life, go back and listen to that one. The title is Believe. I don't remember the episode number. I'll put it somewhere this week. It's around Christmas time, though. It is. It's two years ago (laughs) Christmas. That's when it is. But St. Nicholas's best miracle was that during his time, there was an extreme famine in Italy. And he was walking through the town, as he did, right where people had resorted to desperate measures. And the local butcher had resorted to killing children and selling them as meat. And he had taken three young children, three babies, and killed them, then put them in a a barrel full of salt and was trying to pass them off as like ham, as salted meat. Mm -hmm. But St. Nicholas was like, absolutely not. He walked into that butcher shop. He saw the barrel full of ham babies. He was like, get the fuck out of here, butcher. And he brought them back to life. Amazing. He took salty, leathery, dried out skin and made it baby soft
1: but i bet those kids grew up to be very salty.
0: I bet they did. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see how bringing salted ham babies back from the dead is pretty impressive. Yeah. And we all want to take our salty faces and make them baby smooth again, so bring on the santa oil. Yes. In addition to the fact as you mentioned he is like the patron saint of children, mm-hmm. youthfulness, giving gifts, I mean like his miracles and sainthood really do lend themselves to a product you would want. Right.
1: Also, i would say that okay, so Clean water mm-hmm. is extremely cleansing. Okay. So for instance, even if you were to just shower and just rinse your body off without soap, you're mm-hmm. still cleaning yourself. Okay. So I would think that this saint oil, if it's coming, if it is like clean coming from it's these mountains. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be like spring yeah, almost. So if you're putting that on your face, it's probably like a, affecting your pH levels. It's probably Probably. doing wonderful work. And if you have like any blemishes or cuts on your skin, you're just putting clean water
0: on. Yeah, my assumption is that it's either some sort of spring water or it's seawater, which would be like Mm -hmm. stringent, which would be salty and might dry out your greasy face. Yeah. So So. yeah, there's
1: probably, it's probably working because it's...
0: And because they so strongly believed that it would. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which also helps. Either way, bring the Santa Claus oil on. And the church heard the public's cries and was happy to oblige for a cost, of course. Mm-hmm. So the church is peddling it. So this water was bottled up. And I'm not sure why they felt the need to call it oil. It most certainly was not oil. It was and continues to be water. I, I, I couldn't tell you why. But it did sell like wildfire back then. And Rome, being a major Italian city, which was not that far from Bari, saw its fair share of the stuff come into its borders. So, if you're going to get a saint oil in Rome, it's going to be Saint Nicholas. That's the closest one they had. And he had the most of the stuff going around. Mm-hmm. So,
1: I wonder if it's because it wasn't something, I mean, it res- wasn't something that they drank necessarily, right? No, they
0: didn't drink it. They just right. put it on their faces.
1: Yeah. So, so maybe just the terminology for it, like if it was like a serum or maybe. a mist or something that just felt better. And if it's coming, if it's like pouring out of a saint. Yeah. It's like, and to their my knowledge, body's they oil didn't drink it. It just happens to be. Maybe they did water-like. drink it sometimes.
0: Yeah, it's just such clean oil. I guess that it's very thin. I don't know, but it, it is water. So, bottles of this stuff were, were kind of popping up all over the city. If you didn't buy it from the church, you could probably buy it from some dude on the corner. But there wasn't really any way to tell which water had Saint Bone bits in it and which just came from a well down the street. So, there were some imitations mm-hmm. about. As always. Yeah. Now, to know you had gotten the real thing, you would just look for a bottle with an intricately painted image of St. Nicholas on it. These Mm -hmm. were like really beautiful. And we'll put a couple pictures in this week's photo suite. There are some old ones, and there are some ones that are not that old. And the label stayed the same. And you would also look for a trusted source, aka a connection to the church in some way. So if the retailer you're visiting is connected to a priest or maybe is a priest sometimes, then you feel that you can trust you're getting the real deal as opposed to something someone scooped out of a gutter and put in a plain little bottle. Right. So now remember how I told you priests were also the source of another fast-selling ingredient that rhymes with (laughs) schmarschnick? Yeah. Well, Geronima found herself a priest who didn't want to sell love potions and he didn't need to exchange items for arsenic. He wanted in on the whole operation. So he was like, I don't want to just help you. I want to be part of this. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah.
0: And he knew exactly how to make it work. Okay. Now, this is where her name gets confused because his name is Father Girolamo, mm. which is, is yeah, what they yeah, call yeah. her, but with an A at the end. Right? And I think because they confuse their stories. Of Saint Agnesi, which is a brand new church in Rome at the time. And it just so happened that this priest had a brother who worked in the apothecary. Okay. Yes. So, Father Girolamo knew exactly what saint oil was supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. He could easily get arsenic. And he provided a reliability in cases when women were like, I don't know if I can trust this situation. He would go with them and be like, everything is going to be okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, if a priest is telling you it's okay, mm-hmm. you're okay. golden. Okay. Yeah, so that was his part in this situation. He did not, in some sources they say he sold it himself, but that's not what I'm gathering from it. What I'm gathering is that he got it cut because he provided not just ingredients, but also he would, like I said, go on these calls mm-hmm. and just make them look very legitimate. Okay. You know, Um, And also, I'm sure that his face was somehow involved in the St. Nicholas oil part. Like, yeah, see, we got a priest. It's all good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I think this is all very uh, interesting. And some accounts also say that he was Geronima's lover. And I like those accounts and choose to believe them all. (laughs) (laughs) I like this. He did also get a cut of the profits, obviously. But like, he was risking his reputation and his life in my mind, for love. Yes. I like it. Me
1: too. I mean, priests just didn't make money, so this was the only way he could
0: have anything. And they weren't allowed to be in love, so this is, like, secret. I know. I like to choose to believe that the man in this situation was just kind of hopelessly in love and all the women were very much in power. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So... He was just,
1: like, some sexy-looking priest. He was
0: definitely... (laughs) In my version, he's definitely hot. It's definitely like fleabag hot priest. Yeah. Don't try and find any paintings of him. You will be disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep my version of it in your mind. It's much better. But it is a fact, and he is in the, like, all the statements from back then that he did these things. Right. So I don't know why a priest would do that just for money. I think it had to be something else, too. Mm. So, exactly, potential. So with production of this very easily disguised in any home oil of St. Nicholas, because remember, it's all over the shelves everywhere. So Mm -hmm. if you have this bottle of St. Nicholas oil, it does not raise a single red flag to anybody. It's normal. You might have two or three. The demand from the wives of Rome grew higher and higher. And so Geronima realized that her team needed to grow. Business is expanding. They need to hire new people. Yeah. That's how it goes. Geronima went out into the city and did what she did best. She called her friends. Love. Mm-hmm. Which you can make if you move to Rome. <laughs> you can. Women of all shapes and sizes and, you yeah. know, financial means. You're
1: just going to meet new people, make new
0: friends. It's going to be great. It is going to be great. New city, new you. <laughs> totally. And these were women who she had perhaps sold the poison to in the past. There is no confirmation of this, but it is strongly um, indicated that, as I as I used in the opening, the way you can gain entrance to that is that, yeah. is that you know because you've used it. Mm-hmm. So, that makes sense. Totally. Or in some cases, they were said to be women that she had just provided years and years of counseling to, although from what I can see, they were usually one in the same. She returned with Giovanna de Grandis, Maria Spinola, Graziosa Farina, and Laura Crispaldi. These women were to be her sales team. They were to take the poison, go out into the city, and sell it. Or they would go to preordained meetings that Geronima had set up with the poison, speak to these women, and make the exchange. It was all done in a very organized but underground fashion. And Geronima herself at this point only sold directly to select clients. So like, you'd be a really top-of-the-line client probably Mm -hmm. to meet with her. She's the big boss. And she produced all of the poison. So she would make the liquid. Then the priest would help her bottle the liquid by getting all of the saint stuff correct. And well, then these, they got, well, like, they got busy, busy in the kitchen. Absolutely. <laughs> then her team of I'm women, a montage. <laughs> so good. Right. See, <laughs> then her team of women besties would take all of this and go out and find other women who need it and sell it. Okay. Yeah. This is so good. I'm seeing such a visual. I fucking love it. See why I've (laughs) been like sitting on this story forever? Because I'm like, I want to do stuff with it. (laughs) Okay. So now these women were the face of the company, just like we said about Francesca in our previous episode. So this was always the model. You always had your creator and then your salespeople. So now she was like killing it. And it is at this point that I choose to remind you guys that Julia was what I called the intention, but Geronima was a businesswoman. Mm Mm-hmm. Julia died in 1651, and Geronima took over the whole operation. And she did not screen her clients. As far as Sheik was concerned, the wealthier the woman, the better. And she did continue to sell her great cure exclusively to women who wanted to use it on their husbands. But she didn't really care why. Right, which is definitely the downfall. Exactly. Basically... When you get greedy, Mm -hmm. things go bad. Yeah.
1: It would have been better if, like, they had to come to her for therapy first, basically. Exactly. And then Mm -hmm. after some time when everybody was in trust mode.
0: Just like Julia, who Mm -hmm. her clientele came to her for help. And on an individual basis, she sold them an unidentifiable bottle of liquid, Mm -hmm. sent them on their way. She wasn't mass producing things. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Which is very different. And plus, you can't keep track of all of those women at once. Yeah, it's a lot at once. Yeah. Geronima did, however, continue to give Aquatofana to women in desperate situations who could not pay for it for free. Mm-hmm. She did uphold that one tenant. Her stepmother had been a great woman, and she kept that, she said that until her very last day. And she deserved to keep the legacy she had earned. Geronima did not, like, look for women in trouble and she didn't give it to everybody, but if a woman in trouble found her, she would help her out. So there was that. By 1658 or 1659, depending on the book you read, Geronima's business was running like a well-saint-oiled machine. Bottles of mana di San Nicola were everywhere. Some of them had mildly disgusting water inside and others had deadly poison. But they were manufactured to look so similar that the only way to tell them apart, should you find yourself with one of each, was to try them, which I would not have advised. (laughs) But we all know there is no way this could go on forever. With five saleswomen and another astrologer in Spain purchasing in bulk from Geronima. Oh boy. Because she networked and found another woman who was like basically the Spanish version of her. And she was like, listen, if you want to expand your business, this is what you want and she was like yeah i do so she was like looking to start like moving to other providers feel like this was a major business geronima had created an empire pharmaceutical company if you will yeah and (laughs) empires tend to fail to fall yeah the problem with building no rome would know (laughs) wasn't built in a day had a hard time falling yeah so The problem with building an empire around a closely guarded secret is that eventually too many people know and it's not really a secret anymore. And the odds of them all staying quiet is like non-existent. They're not going to. Geronima, who had no children of her own, much like her mentors, had taken one of her friends under her wing. She had chosen Giovanna de Grandis. She thought she would be the next in line and so she taught her how to make the aquatofana. That's kind of how they had to pass it on. Only two people ever knew it at a time. Mm-hmm. I don't think she did the best job choosing, but whatever. Mm. Uh-huh. I d- I
1: still okay. I have to laugh because I know that we're basically, if I guess scholars can make their assumption of like what aqua tofana was. Yes. Their best their like their best guess is Mm -hmm. that it's just arsenic and water
0: arsenic lead water and belladonna
1: oh right okay okay so there's a couple more ingredients because i just kept thinking like it's just arsenic and water and then like every time somebody finds out the recipe they're like that's That's it it?
0: (laughs) No, exactly. What? Why is that it?
1: No. Okay, but there is a couple other things. It started out as
0: just arsenic and water. Julia added more things to it to make it seem more like she was making cosmetics. Right. Okay. So. But they've now advanced. Yeah. Fuck. Are you kidding me? It's one thing? I could just get my own hot priest and be done with it? Fine. (laughs) Whatever. But now Giovanna knows how to make the poison. And Giovanna was not as careful as Julia and Geronima had been. Sure, she had a name that started with a G, but it turns out that that wasn't the most important quality for a poison-making apprentice to have. Damn it. Weird, right? Hundreds, if not thousands of men had succumbed to a mysterious flu that left no contagion behind. And rumors of the beauty tonic that made women widows were flying all over the city. Talk was loud enough that it reached papal authorities, who began to look for the source of this tonic. Several names were circulating, and the widows of Rome were being rounded up and interrogated. Hmm. Too many people know. Eventually, the papal authorities got a break in their case. Remember the woman with the soup from the last episode? Yeah, I sure do. Well, I did tell you she was real, and I wasn't lying. But it didn't go the way the stories would have us believe. This woman, who was quite wealthy, I should add, did buy aqua And she did plan on giving it to her husband. But at the last minute, she backed out discreetly, opting to dump it out rather than poison him. No dramatic soup slapping. But she didn't get all of it out, just most of it. Mm. Mm -hmm. But she was terribly guilt-ridden and went to her priest to confess. The priest had her say all of the Catholic prayers of immunity or whatever they are, and then sent her on her way. But as soon as she had cleared the doors, he immediately called the police. And- he can't do that. Yeah, but he did. <laughs> I know. I know. He immediately called the cops and told them that a woman had confessed to attempted murder with a poison she had obtained from Giovanna de Grandis. And then they hanged that priest. No. As they said, you need to keep quiet, sir. That's the nature of confession. You can't fucking tell anyone. Yeah. No, no, no. They said, thank you so much, priest. They probably were like, here's a billion dollars or whatever. A kiss on the head from the Pope.
1: That's worth so much more.
0: Way more. Papal authorities, as it turned out, had tried to arrest Giovanna before this time. So apparently she has like an arrest record. Like she's not very stealth and she's been caught like three times with samples on her. She's like, this is just tonic. I don't know what you're talking about. And then they were like, well, we don't have enough proof, but if we just keep Giving her enough rope, she'll end up hanging herself, basically. And she
1: did. This is the problem with hiring new people. I know. It's so hard when you want to
0: branch out. So hard to trust people. So, the papal authorities already had their eye on Giovanna. Now they had someone firsthand confess to getting poison from her. So, what did they do? They set up a sting operation. Okay. Okay. They hired a woman from Florence to pose as a wealthy wife seeking to obtain Aqua Tofana to do away with her terrible husband. They arranged the meeting between Giovanna and this wealthy woman. And when Giovanna showed up, there was this woman in beautiful clothes, you know, just as she had, had purported herself to be. And so Giovanna thought the deal was good pulled the bottle of liquid out of her bag and the second it was visible, authorities sprang out from behind the curtains and took it from her. I just, am like, they
1: like the Roman soldiers like popping out.
0: <laughs> and like those like little outfits. There. It'd be great <laughs> if that's what it was. Yeah. Not so much, but it would be fun. Well, what would they have been wearing? Just whatever normal, they're, they're casual togas, I suppose. I know. I was like, <laughs> they're still
1: togas, I guess.
0: I don't know, it's the 1600s. Yeah. Probably not. But they then gave what was, they gave what was in this bottle to a stray dog and several cats and they all died. Part of the story is that the woman who talked to the priest also turned over what was left of hers or they found it. This mm-hmm. is how it all gets muddy. And that they did the same thing with that. So they gave both of these liquids to stray animals and all of the animals died. And that was all the proof they needed. They're like, yeah. well, you're selling poison, obviously. So we're, you're, we're arresting you.
1: Oh, this would have been so great if she had like, another bottle that didn't have the poison in it? Or, like, if Geronima knew what was happening and that she, like, fucked up hiring this other girl to, like, take over for her, so she switched the bottles... Yeah. And then afterwards, like nothing happened to the cats or dogs. And then, what was it, G- Giovanna? Mm-hmm. And then she comes in and she's just like, I don't know what happened. And she's like, I do. <laughs> she's like, lucky for you, I'm the brains of this operation.
0: Get out of here. Get out of here, you dumb bitch. <laughs> you burnt. <laughs> Go to Florence. That's right. Get out of here. You really thought that rich lady was real? Do yeah. better next time. And then she visits Tofana's grave and weeps. Like, yeah,
1: just like I'm sorry, Julia.
0: Do you see how much potential this story has to be very dramatic? Yeah. Yeah. You're on the same page okay. now. All right. Good. Cool. So now the authorities have all the proof they need. They arrest Giovanna and imprison her at the Tour Di Nona, which is a famous prison. And it's famous because of its use of torture. Mm, yeah, They tortured so many people so much of the time. You gotta have a, a thing. But yeah, and that was theirs. <laughs> um, and she didn't really last too long before immediately naming Geronima. She told her captors that Geronima ran this business and she made the poison. She told them she knew how to make it and here was what was in it. She also told them um, all the women that worked with her selling the poison. She gave the name of a bunch of her clients. She, like, did not shut up. Yeah, once once she started talking, she did not stop. Wrong lady to trust. Mm. So papal authorities were like, shit, this is a lot. (laughs) And they started rounding everyone up. But here's the thing. They did not treat them all the same. Maria, Graziosa, and Lara were brought to the prison, along with 40 other women who were suspected of using the poison and perhaps distributing it as well. These women were beaten with a strap to encourage their confessions. And these were the wives of Rome who did not come from wealthy families or marry wealthy men. Mm. Yeah. That's who the papal authorities chose to shine a light on. Of course. Because they had the names of all of them.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Upper-class women were simply interviewed in their homes and granted immunity in exchange for their confessions. And extremely well-to-do women, say the wives of nobility, because Giovanna did confess to providing the poison that killed a duke, (sighs) or, you know, say the heads of powerful families, those women were all left out of questioning completely. They right. just didn't touch them at all, even though they had been named, called out by name, numerous times as clients. Totally ignored those people. The papal authorities considered the women who made the poison to be guilty of murder, but not those who bought and used it. And this, this is key to me because the narrative they're trying to push is that the many were just influenced by the few. Sure. Most women are just like innocent little cupcakes and yeah. they believe these horrible six witches. And once we get rid of them, everything's going to be fine.
1: I mean, I partially am okay with that.
0: Well, I mean, yeah. If there, if if there is some something, yeah,
1: like when a drug dealer gives you like shitty drugs. Yeah. And then you take them and give them to somebody else to smoke with you or I don't, I mean, I know that that's not the same thing, but like it shouldn't be on those people as much as it should be on the person that made it. I suppose. Who supplied it.
0: But that's the other thing. They simply sold them the bottle. They didn't make them use it. They didn't watch them use it. And some women had it and really never did use it. They just kept it as a reminder that if they needed to, they could. Yeah. So once the bottle left, the people who made it left their Mm -hmm. hands. They had no responsibility. They, They didn't know what became of it. Sure. But I do still, I think I do find that appropriate. Okay. I guess the link in the chain that I don't understand is that these are women that they could prove killed their husbands with it. Mm -hmm. Like they used it and they were like, you're not guilty. It's them because they made it. And you clearly didn't know what you were doing. And they were like, yes. (laughs) No. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't have killed their husbands otherwise. Yeah. Never. Who would ever kill their husband?
1: Well, they. I mean, they might not have been able to. That's why they got this. They were just stuck in their
0: situations before these women came along and helped them. Exactly. Which is why they're the bad ones, Mm -hmm. I guess. I mean, it's all the same thing. It's just interesting to me that they really didn't choose to focus on the act of murder. They chose to focus on the act of like,
1: yeah, production. Yeah, no, I agree. I would think that it would all be the same.
0: It wasn't. That's that's the
1: part that I was kind of interested in. But I do still, if they're going to go that route, then I agree with.
0: Yeah. Of the literal hundreds of women that were named in this and that were investigated by the papal authorities. Two clients were hanged, mm-hmm. two.
1: And you know what, though? I feel like Julia and Geronimo would probably, or at least Julia would be like, good. Yeah. I don't want them to be hanged.
0: No, of course. I mean, but then again, this is where this gets murky because Julia vetted her clients and Geronimo mm-hmm. didn't. Right. So we don't know who was getting it. We but don't also, know. But also Geronimo, the
1: people that she didn't really vet mm-hmm. were the ones that sold her out. Probably, yeah. Like the rich people, yeah, for sure. And they were they were the ones that got off anyway. So she probably would have felt horrible if these like if the lower class women were killed.
0: It's all so morally Mm -hmm. blurry, yeah. Uh, Which is another reason why I find it so very interesting. So anyway, Geronima herself was eventually brought in on February second. This all started in January. She was brought in in February, but she would not say a fucking word because she's a boss-ass that's bitch that's right well that's not true she said lots of words but none of them were a confession <laughs> she was mm-hmm. like i'll talk all you want do you want me to tell you about my family here's who i'm related to we <laughs> I wish they wrote it all down <laughs> i know me too i grew up in a coastal town it was very nice <laughs> authorities also immediately this is in documents could tell she was different they describe her as confident intelligent well-spoken and self-assured right. so you know she has to go right She denied any involvement in any poisoning for months, even in the face of direct evidence presented against her. They were like, but we have that you did this. And she was like, that wasn't me. Yeah. Sorry. She wouldn't even confess to a priest, which is how they got a lot of those women. Like I mentioned earlier, dirty priests were telling on them. So they'd be sent to prison. And then the papal authorities would be like, well, you have an opportunity to confess to a priest if you'd like. And they would tell the priest and then they'd be done. Again, the priest is definitely not supposed to tell on them, Mm -hmm. so he's not great in this situation either, but I guess whatever. Geronima held out for as long as she did, though, because she knew something that the others didn't. Much like in the days of the Salem Witch Trials, which is the same years, True. uh, a person could not be sentenced to execution unless they confessed to their crime. You could be imprisoned, you could be held, but unless you confess, like, that's why interrogations were like, what is the word I'm thinking of? Inquisitions were such a thing then because you had to make the person confess. A confession was key. Geronimo was like, um, you can hold me all you want. I'll tell you about my dad. I'll tell you about my uncle, the astronomer, and all my nice dresses and my clients who are all people I just advised and they're very nice. Hmm. But eventually they switched to stronger tactics, I think. So, you know, the famous torture prison cracked down. It took six months to finally crack her. And while there is no documentation of it, I think whatever they did must have been pretty extreme. But when Geronima finally did confess, she did that in a big way too. On June 20th, 1660, and in some books, 1659, she signed a long and detailed statement of guilt all about her own guilt and her own activities. <laughs> and it ended with this phrase, quote, I've given this liquid to more people than I've got hairs on my head. I fucking love her.
1: So good. Yeah.
0: She did it and she was not sorry. On July 5th, 1660, Geronimo Spana, Giovanna de Grandis, Maria Spinola Graziosa Farina, and Laura Crispaldi were all hanged uh, at the Campo de Fiori in front of a crowd of onlookers. Several of the less wealthy wives of Rome were also hanged, but most of them were flogged in the streets and banished. Mm-hmm. And a few little more wealthy wives were put under house arrest. And all of the others who had money or influence were given immunity. After the trial, the Pope himself gave the order that the documents regarding the trial should be sealed at the Castel Sant'Angelo, a building that is part mausoleum, part fortress, and part castle for the Pope. Popes need a castle. They sure do. Today it is a museum. The archives were not discovered again until the 1880s when they were found in the Archivo di Stato in Rome. So these are just like the state archives, which they eventually were like, what is this? Hmm. Officially, the Pope said he sealed these documents to keep the formula for the poisonous secret and protect the women of Rome from this horrible affairs, bad influence. But unofficially, I think he sealed the documents so that the future wives of Rome would never know this story. Without knowing this story, they would never know their own potential. For if they did, they might become powerful and terrifying, just like Geronimo. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So we should all tell it. We should. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And that is the story. Is that Pope Alexander? I don't
0: know. I didn't look him up. Possible? Yes. Was pope he a Alexander. shitty, shitty pope? Do we hate that one? He was super hot. Oh my God,
1: he was born Petro Vito Arubani. Okay, yeah, I love when you become pope. They're like, you get a new name. Yeah, <laughs> Alexander the <VIII>. Eighth. <laughs> we gave you a used one. <laughs> <laughs> They're all yeah. They I mean they pick it. They pick their name who they want to be after. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's after like another saint mm-hmm. or like maybe a previous pope that they liked. But yeah, got they, it. That's why there's a lot of Pauls. And yeah. Stuff. Don't we have an interesting one now? Um, well, we had Francis. No, that's and not then, it. And then, um, what's the one that we have now? Benedict.
0: Yeah, that's a better one. That's not mm-hmm. like John or Paul. It's not a Beatle. I think that's Benedict the 16th. Oh, so there were enough of those. Never mind.
1: A lot of them. Yeah. Quite a few of those <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just one at a time. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. But there were a lot. There were. There were. Um, but the other thing I was thinking of was I would love the authorities to, have I don't know, maybe looked at these wives that killed their husbands and mm-hmm. just been like, yeah, they were shitty. We're not gonna it's that would be gonna, awesome. I'm just gonna like slap you a few times. <laughs> I
0: and know. And then um we, get it. It.
1: Well, it's we fine. get it. We
0: get it. I really wanted the hot priest <laughs> I wouldn't want to, to marry me. No, God. <laughs> I really wanted the hot priest to come in and like do some helping in the end. Oh, for sure. That would be great. But, like, that's not what he did. He just was like, I did nothing! Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they didn't name him anywhere. And if he was, was like, fine.
1: the priest that they confessed to, and he was just like, no. They yeah. confessed to everything but that. Like, I don't think they did this, guys. No,
0: they're not. I think
1: um, I think you just beat out a false confession.
0: Yeah, they are not guilty. You should let them go. And I'm going to tell the Pope Yeah. on you. I know, Alex. We are friends because we are both hot and Catholic. Yeah. So, sucks to be you guys. (laughs) Yeah, that Mm. would have been great. There are so many great ways to end the story that are not this. (laughs) Um, But unfortunately, they all had to die. And with that, so did disappear Aquatofana. But the funny thing is, is that I don't really know that Aquatofana ever did disappear. Mm. Because for centuries afterwards, it is still mentioned periodically in fictional documents. In fact, Mozart claimed that that is how he would he died. Oh. He was like dying and he was like Son, my wife gave me aqua tofana or some shit. There's oh, a ridiculous so story about him saying it. Um but yeah, it's like nuts. It was very so, pervasive This could be a true true crime tale then. Yeah. Could be. Even though Mozart had like a lot of problems. Yeah.
1: But if he thinks he was killed, we can cover his case now. We
0: can. <laughs> that's true. I don't know. Why. He was also very insane. dramatic.: so. That sounds perfect, for us.: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like it's not like the poison ever fell out of it never went away entirely. right? The story of how it came to be, how it fell apart, and what was done with it was totally put in a blender as time went on. Yeah, But like, for all we know, women continued to use it. Yeah. It's always possible. In the yeah. end, too many people knew about it. Too many people knew what to do with it. A lot of them probably still had it. I mean, that's the thing. People ruin everything. They do ruin everything. The best part of this, too, is that, like, you needed something like seven or eight drops of it in total. And they sold you a big-ass bottle, which means to me that, like, there was leftovers everywhere. Right. Right. They didn't also round up all of the St. Nicholas oil. They didn't do that. Well, I guess it would
1: depend on what the dilution was because it would have to matter how much they were putting in.
0: This bottle was concentrate because that's what you would put in their tea. Oh. For whatever reason, they were selling you way more of it than okay. you needed to well, use. Well, that's also
1: bad business. There, it is right? bad that's business. Like...
0: Or bottle making was in its infancy. And yeah. You, you just couldn't get a smaller bottle. Or, or they had to because that's the size bottle you bought the actual oil in maybe yeah. so they couldn't really shrink it yeah. down and sell you less that would note mm-hmm. that would like be a red flag yeah i don't know but every picture i've seen of this is way way bigger than what you would need
1: mhm well yeah cuz i do wonder i mean we don't have the actual directions to it so when i was looking up no like we the, don't. the poisons yeah. last week for the beauty Mm-hmm. Cosmetics, it does like you have to dilute it so much in water yeah for like arsenic or the Belladonna mm-hmm. that even in that bottle, even if you just pulled out like a drop, I wonder if that would have been too sickening. So maybe you had to like do a couple more like dupes of it. We call them dupes in the warehouse. Got it. Little dupe dupes.
0: Okay. <laughs> just needs a dupe. There you go. <laughs>
1: when it just needs a couple drops, just a dupe. I like it with the pipette. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe you needed like a few more. I don't. Well,
0: I don't know. I just this like just it. Always... Just probably had
1: to be so much water to dilute it down so that somebody yeah. wasn't just like convulsing right away.
0: But if you're making a big batch of it and you're filling up bottles, you you don't have to put water directly in the bottle. Sure, but this just always leaves me to wonder. Was there another part of the story? Was there yeah. a to be continued? Because there's no way they destroyed all the actual substance. There were women that bought it and didn't use it. Yeah. There were women that bought it, used some of it, and then had the rest. Mm-hmm. Where is it? What happened to it? They didn't all spontaneously flush it. I don't know, Holly.
1: I guess maybe if we needed it, we'd find out. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah. You might think it's gone, but it could it's still be here. underground. Yeah. I'm just saying toast <laughs> toast <laughs> <laughs> all right i know she was kind of a conniving businesswoman but i have to toast Geronimo Spana because mm-hmm. i i fucking love her i think she's so smart
1: yeah i mean i still i still feel like maybe her plan was correct she just fucked up in trusting the one wrong person i also think she was too big i think she should have
0: kept it smaller yeah she, sh- I mean, like maybe. maybe Julia's model was too small, but her model was too big. Yeah, you have to be able to keep. I mean, like including the priest. Excellent idea. Yeah. Excellent idea. Disguising it as the saint oil. Excellent idea.
1: Okay.
0: Involving all those other women. Mm-hmm. Less mm-hmm. excellent, and not vetting your clients well. Also not excellent. Yeah. Because if you're not selling this to women who are very, very loyal to you, what's stopping them from telling people? Right. They could easily be like, I was so confused. I didn't know it would kill him. And then she gave it to me. Yeah. You know?
1: And that seems to be what they did.
0: Kind of, yeah. (laughs) Except they're like, I'm so sorry, priest. I almost killed my husband with this bottle of poison I got from Giovanna, but then I didn't. And the priest was like, can you spell her name slowly? (laughs) It's just for God. He's asking. Yeah, God loves a good spelling. Make sure you get it right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Lord. So, okay. So, to Geronima, Who else would we like to toast? Um, The hot priest. Yes, hot priest. In my version, he's (laughs) great. In the other version, he's like not. He's whatever. Yeah. But in my mind. (laughs) And then to the original Tofana? Yes, to Julia and Tofania. So, yeah, you see what I mean? Like, this is a chain that would not exist without all of them. But Mm -hmm. they all had their own occupation. Right. They all did their own part in it. Yeah, I like this. Great. Yeah. I hope I told it in in an understandable way. And I didn't get too excited. You got so excited, and it was great. <laughs> Thank you so very much. Uh, we do have one more person to <gasps> host. Tell me who it is,
1: Lindsay Jones. Lindsay Jones. Thank you for becoming a best fiend.
0: Love you, Lindsay Jones. Ooh, she's a good one. she got a really good ding. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Somebody got their angel's wings. I think they did. <laughs> And if we were unlucky enough to put our trust in the wrong G, we would be dead.
1: Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at wouldbedeadpod and join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more.
0: (gasps) There are dicks. Lots of dicks. (laughs)